The following program was brought to you by Yolokali, keeping it weird since 1997. Oh. Who's that? Who are you? You're not allowed to be in here. Hey, yo, somebody get their grandma. Huh? Ah! Ah! Nah, you gotta do it like this. What's Up is back with another two hours of fully youth-produced content, tapping into the matters and concerns of youth in Chicago. As well as all the crazy, wacky, tea-sipping, gossip-spilling, weird shenanigans that we, youth, get up to. Listen to your own risk, because your mind might explode. The chances are low, but never zero. So strap in, and let's get into the show! You're listening to What's Up on WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpin' Radio. Welcome to our first show of Season 20. None of your business. Today's show is all about small local businesses and entrepreneurships that thrive since the pandemic started. Join us as we travel around Little Village and undisclosed locations that use social media as their storefront. You hear us interview amazing BIPOC local shops and vendors to learn all about starting and running an independent business. We'll be sharing interviews from businesses Edith's Artisan Ice Cream and Treats, Liz's Sweets, Mary Jane's Nails, as well as two new Little Village brick and mortar shops, Antojitos, and El Churro Shops. Enjoy. The following is a conversation with Aldo Rios Don Churro, one of the owners of El Churro Shop in Little Village, a new coffee spot that brings coziness and a sense of a welcoming atmosphere to Little Village. In this, he talks about the struggles he has faced during the pandemic his motivation to open a restaurant, and above all, what his favorite type of churro is. This and more, right now. All right. Well, hi, my name is Jeremiah, um, and who might you be? Hi, uh, I'm Aldo Rios. I am the owner of a churro shop and a local resident of Little Village. First question, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, very well. Excited to be here with you guys and being able to have the opportunity to speak with you guys and glad you guys reached out. Well, wow, thank you. Thanks so much for accepting this in the first place. For the people in our audience who are not familiar with churros, could you describe what a churro is? A churro is a Iberian pastry that comes from Portugal and Spain, uh, and it made its way to uh, the Americas via the conquest and uh, whatnot. Um, through the years, it has evolved, and now it is, in a way, usually recognized as stuffed, and it's deep fried, and it's flour, water, butter. It's a very, very simple dough and it's deep fried to order uh, and it's dusted in sugar. Um, some people dust it in uh, regular, regular granulated white sugar, do cinnamon sugar, there's different variations of it. Uh, but here at the churro shop, we really want to keep it traditional. We want to keep it simple, uh, straightforward. So we are not stuffing it. Uh, we do our churro dough fresh every day. Uh, we have to make it multiple times a day uh, at that. Um, and one of the things that we really want to do is people to like really taste the churro for what it is and not necessarily have it stuffed and have to eat it in that way. We want people to enjoy it for what it actually is. Wow. Spain, huh? Yeah, so it, it has a pretty good history and it has been around for a very while. And, it's, and it, it is something that is in many cultures, uh, especially in Latin America. And it's something that uh, I started doing just out of fun and through the pandemic and 
I saw the opportunity here in the village and how people are receptive and how everybody knows about a churro. And it's something that I saw the opportunity and wanted to introduce and make it available to everybody. Yeah, I feel like it's something we all had growing up in our childhood, at least, right? Yeah, everybody has a memory with the churro, either being a kid or going to a carnival or going to Mexico or going to some country or even just traveling abroad and being in Europe and coming across it. And it's something that's very, some, this is very similar in a lot of cultures, you know, it's something that came from Europe and it's a very, very classic dough. Yeah, that brings us to my next question. Um, do you have any anecdotes of eating churros when you were young? Uh, honestly, just growing up, just going to carnivals and something that's a staple in the Mexican culture. Growing up, I never knew that it was of European descent. I always thought it was a Mexican thing. Uh, most of my anecdotes is just growing up, going to a carnival, going to a feria, being in Mexico, uh, and then just having it, uh, just enjoying a churro whenever it was some sort of a festivity. Yeah, they are they are really delicious. I remember used to getting mine uh, cajeta stuff. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah, we would just go for the classic just with the chocolate. Oh, and yeah. Banana, I remember that. With a little hot chocolate, just a churro with the hot chocolate, it just goes hand in hand. Wow. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And okay. Just drinking a cup of abuelita and a cup of abuelita oh. or some sort of a hot chocolate, something frothy or like even a dip, just with like how we make it here, just dip it and then just eat it. And it's something that's very, it's to go, you know, it's something that you don't really need a lot of stuff. You just put it in a little paper bag or brown the paper or something. And then you yeah. eat it and that's it. You don't need a lot of stuff, like a lot of utensils. Yeah. Yeah, no, it gets the job done. It hits the spot. Yeah. Okay. Uh, moving towards the actual store, um, uh, the restaurant, I mean, what yeah. started this impressive endeavor of a restaurant enterprise? Um. It all started with the, the, the support of my family, my wife, my brothers and sisters, my parents. Everybody would always tell me, like, you, you got something, you, you have something going on, you have a talent, like, go for it, do something, like, stand out, like, don't be stuck in the same place all the time. Um, and I never really believed it, you know, they saw it, I didn't. Um, but they always pushed me, they always told me to do something. And I was always a little bit scared and frightened of, like, the what ifs. Um, and then the pandemic hit uh pandemic i was fortunate enough to still work through it i didn't lose my job or anything but my hours were reduced drastically to the point where like i actually had a life um and with that being said it's like i've been cooking for 15 something years i lost track but over 10 years i've been cooking 12 years i've been cooking um and i've always been in the restaurant industry and it's so so demanding long hours it's always holidays weekends like never really had a work-life balance it's always been work um yeah. pandemic hit um, and I was fortunate enough to still work through it, as I mentioned. Uh, but my hours really do so much that I actually had a life. I was able to wake up, have coffee with my wife, go to work, um, come back, you know, have dinner, watch a little TV, have a talk, and then go to go to bed. Uh, with that, I just popped up to the idea of doing churros. For some reason, it just popped in my head. Um, I have a caso de pobre at home uh, where I used to make carnitas in, and I had a burner. I had a propane tank and started messing with the dough and I started just doing pop-ups. I would go on the corner of 26 in St. Louis where I live, well, near, nearby where I live, um, and just start sending churros. Uh, it attracted a lot of attention. A lot of people would just stop by and thought I was cooking food. Uh, when they saw that it was churros, they didn't believe it. A lot of them were with the reaction of, is that how you make a churro? Like, I've never seen how a churro is made. Like, I've never seen that process before. 
um, people, were, people were amazed by it. So I kept on going with it. I, from doing pop-ups on my own, I got invited to, to different other pop-up sites, events, uh, catering, different little parties like that. A lot of people started finding out about it. And then that's when I started brainstorming of an idea of something to do in Little Village. Uh, growing up here in Little Village, there's a lack of resources, a lack of a lot of things. Um, there is a lot of restaurants. There is a big community, a big culture of gastronomy here. Um, but it is very similar, not to knock it, but it is very similar. There are replicas of the same thing up and down the 26th Street corridor. Um, with that being said, um, I was having meetings and like talking to my brother-in-law, talking to my wife, anybody. And there wasn't really a place where we could just sit down, have a cup of coffee, and then just talk about the what ifs or just our day or whatnot. Um, and then that kind of snowballed into from churros to a coffee shop. Or like, this is what we need here. And one thing led to another, and then we saw the possibility of doing this, and we went for it. The Churro Coffee Shop. El yeah, churro so shop. It's not, it, it is the Churro Shop, because I do want to respect and start This is what I did, right? This is what, yeah. how I started. But at the same time, want to kind of introduce a coffee program to, to the neighborhood. It's something that we, that we lack of. We don't have a space where we could just sit down, have a cup of coffee, have a chocolate, have a churro, have a funnel cake, have whatnot, bring your kids sit down, be on your computer, use your Wi-Fi. I'm sure there's a lot of people in this neighborhood that still don't have access to internet. You know, we want to provide that, sit down, wait for the bus, whatever it is, you know? So we kind of want to have that space and provide it for the neighborhood. Yeah. And yeah, you, you, so sort of like an homage to Little Village as it, as it didn't really have any of those that you believed or like one that you really believed in. I'm sorry, what do you, how to clarify that? So what I mean is like you want to, do you want, did you want to pay homage or was it just something that you felt Little Village just desperately needed? Yes and yes. Um, I grew up here. I'm born and raised here. I live in the same house that I grew up in. Um, I'm married now. My wife is Brazil from Brazil. I met her over there and we both live in the same house now. And she grew to love this neighborhood as much as I do. Um, and living here, it was something that you have a pride of. I'm very, very proud of being from Little Village and staying out from this part of the town, even though a lot of people may not recognize it or just know it for, for a reason that, they, that it isn't very uh, positive, you know? Um, it is a reality, but it is something that there is a lot of possibility. There's a lot of culture. There's a lot of family. There's a lot of kids. There's, there's a lot going on here that we don't get that proper light on it. We don't get shined on. Um, and with this coffee shop, churro shop, like this space that I'm, that I want to provide, I kind of want to light that and showcase what neighborhood we have and what kind of what kind of beautiful people uh, reside here. Um, so it's like it's something that I want to give homage and like really put out Little Village and put them on the map, as well as giving the people who live here a space for that they could call themselves. They call it for themselves and they can make it as much theirs as it is mine. Yeah. That's very that's very inspirational, and I I, feel, I sense that you have like a very strong conviction regarding like your pride about your hometown and village. At, at, excuse for a bad word, village. Huh? Yeah. It, um, I mean, it's great growing up here. All my memories of Chicago are here. I was born and raised in Chicago, and you know, um, come from a strong Mexican rooted family where like we share a lot of things how it is in Mexico, and we 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 brought that from Mexico. We retained it here and it's 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 going into the new generations and it's something that like 
we should feel proud of where we're from. Yeah, no, being a being a, a resident of Little Village for quite a while, um, and currently, yeah, that does that does speak to me on a personal level. Like, yeah, yeah, just growing up in a kid sitting sitting on the steps, sitting on the stool, playing like soccer in the streets, whatever it is, and then seeing the paletero and the lotero getting tamales from the tamale lady, the black parties. I mean, there's yeah. a, there's so many stories and so much culture and so much things going on in Little Village that it just makes your your pride even stronger yeah the bouncy castles and like like what you said with the baloter with the baloterio i would always get the lime one the boys yeah. and girls club where i used to live by my grandpa stuff like that it really just it, it the nostalgia hits but also the sense of like a pride and belonging right yeah and you could walk down the street and you know people like you may not know them but you you recognize each other you know who you are you just say hi what's up and it's like you know this guy from this block yeah i know this person from there oh like your cousins with this person yeah i went to school with this person and it, it, everybody somehow knows each other here which is something that like i really want to connect with and like, kind of give that space with well, like with that i also that's why it's one of the reasons why i have the pictures well, i don't know if you guys have seen them but i have old school pictures that were provided by little uh little village local that kind of curated that wall of like pictures from the 80s and 90s of little village yeah speaking of speaking of that um we saw on instagram that you posted a picture of the laundrette of the same building that was in the 50s how would you feel when you realized that you were a part of that the building was part of a deeper history than you probably knew i felt amazed because one is it's amazing because one i'm very proud of being chicago and i'm not very in depth with the history, but I'm very nerdy and geeky when it comes to Chicago history. And it's something that I, I know about Little Village and like how it evolved and how it became that, you know, the house that I live in is over 110 years old. Uh, all these buildings are over a deck, over 100 years old. Um, so there's a lot of history in these buildings, even though they're not historic, like other neighborhoods, there is a lot of history here, especially with what like the ethnicities that used to live here and then how it became Mexican. Um, and then you look at the buildings and some of them are very beautiful. Uh, coming into this space, it was remodeled in the inside and we didn't realize that there was layers of history behind the walls that were still present. Um, so once we did the renovate, the, the demolishing to get ready to, to remodel the space, we realized that the, the original wallpaper was still there, the original ceiling was still there, that the building was so old and it, it came out in a, in a little village book that we figured out and we saw it and it just made everything just seem right. Like with how I started and how I feel about the neighborhood and the history that the, the houses and the buildings and the people have here and me trying to start something new for the people, realizing and taking those layers out, it just kind of like felt right and it kind of married into the idea and vision that I have for this space. So that one picture sort of almost solidified it for you, like that you're on, you're doing something great and you're on the yes. right path. Because yes, because I went to, to the library here in Pulaski. Um, I got a book from Little Village just to skim through it. I was just like, just one of those historical Chicago books, the neighborhood yeah. books, I forgot what they're called. Um, but I just got it, or I think my wife got it for me. Just she's like, here, just, just go through it. And I randomly found the picture of the space. So when I found it, it was like, wow, this this is somehow meant to be. It's it's it has to be. Like if 
if I never really thought about it in the beginning. And then all of a sudden I started doing churros and all of a sudden the opportunity presented itself to have this space. And then automatically it comes out in a book that I found randomly. Like there's a lot of little things here where like it correlates into this is this, this, this is a path that must be taken. Yeah. Wow. Found completely by chance. That, that yeah. if, if that's not fate, I don't know what is. I mean, I, I, I'm knocking on wood. I mean, I'm praying every day. I mean, I'm, I'm chanting. I practice Buddhism and then I chant and I, I pray that, that you know, that things go well. Um, I try really, really hard every day to do the best I can and be as best that I can and kind of give that to everybody. Uh, but yes, I really, really, really do have a strong hold on that this is faith and I'm doing everything I can to not let it go and then let it manifest into something bigger. Or allow um, it, you know, allow it to manifest into something bigger. Yeah. Okay. Circling back to the pandemic, um, I understand you. You told me the struggles that you faced about your hours getting cut, and but could you elaborate on some of the benefits that you, if there are any benefits of being in the pandemic? Like I know you explained, like having more quality time with your wife. It's, yeah, it's very difficult to kind of express that and touch on that because it, it, there's there's so many negatives that came out of that. Yes, it, it, like I, I don't want to like offend anybody because somebody might have gone through something a lot worse, right? Um, first of all, that's 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 a really big thing, because uh, I know a lot of people have struggled and a lot of people that went through like really bad times through that. Yeah. Uh, but in my personal uh, uh personal effect to that was positive, um, just because I was working so much in the restaurant industry and it was just so demanding that I didn't have a break. I didn't have like the time and work balance to like really, really appreciate time. Um, things slowed down so drastically that I was actually able to spend time with my wife. I would spend time with my dogs and my cat. I was able to go for a walk. I was able to enjoy dinner at night. At eight o'clock at night, I would have already been home. Um, and it just allowed me to slow down and really think about myself and allow myself to like get into what I'm doing now. So it, it's just, it's, positive in my personal um experience but i mean i don't know how how to best answer that because i'm here now like out of because if it wasn't for that this probably would have never happened and i would have been stuck like a robot just working in the restaurant industry and that's something that now looking back i'm kind of thankful that this evolved because it's a much larger project and it's something that I'm hands on and it's something that I still love doing. I still love cooking. I love being behind the line, but I'm able to provide a space for everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, no, I understand. Like the pandemic did indeed bring about a lot of negative, but I'm not going to be the only one to say that I only brought negative because it didn't. It, there was definitely some positive that was sprung up. Like some, some, some of it was among my families and, and relatives. And maybe among me as well, where I found new discoveries of, say, personal self yeah. and growth. Like, yes, no one can deny the fact that it was very negative and that a lot of horrible things happened. But we can't just we can't just look at it in only a negative light. Yeah, we can't would be stay only stuck looking, on exactly. We can't stay stuck on the negative. That would be looking at it one dimensionally, and yeah, we are not one dimensional creatures. We're not. We're not. All right. Now, to the more important questions. What is your favorite type of churro? Uh, the traditional basic, my, my churro. <laughs> no, just 
Coach on the outside, soft in the middle. Um, just a, just all around, just a good churro. Like the churro isn't for me. A churro isn't something that's gonna be has to be wow and it's crazy and awesome. No, it just has to be good. If it's a good churro, it's an awesome churro. If you try too hard to make it great, then it's not. And it's, it's to me, it's just the simpler, the better. The less is more. Yeah, I was about to say less is more. We're like, yeah, because if yeah, I've noticed that we're like, I've tasted some like elaborate like desserts. Not not all of them with churro, but some of them were where like they add like oh, whipped cream and then sprinkles and then syrup and then all this other stuff. At the end of the day, it just leaves you with a sweet taste in your mouth, not necessarily good. Yeah. But then I've tried my uh my mom's homemade cheesecake, and yeah. then that just hits right right at home. I yeah, get that but, feeling where like it's just a simple dessert, either homemade or just really well made. It's just really good. Yeah, so that's like what we what we do here. So we offer a couple options at the store. We do have like a traditional churro, which is just the most basic, uh, like churro like just just a churro dough and then the cinnamon sugar and then that's it and then we do offer like we kind of go on the other side where we do offer like these churro loops but they're a little bit more elaborate and by elaborate we just mean that we make we have a sauce that we put on it and we complement it with another topping that we feel as if they complement each other in flavor so for example we have uh the chocolate which we make in-house uh, which is semi-sweet, semi-sweet chocolate, and it has notes of filoncillo and cinnamon and star anise and all these warm spices. Um, that goes with Choco Krispies, which is a, like a cereal that I grew up with in the Mexican household, just Choco Krispies, which is like a rice puff, uh, chocolate-flavored rice cereal. Uh, we top that off and you get an extra crunch. Or we do like cajeta with mazapan. We do dulce de leche with galleta maria. So we try to like kind of keep it Mexican style, like in that realm. But adding these flavors that we feel complement each other without actually overdoing it and like trying too hard to like make a super elaborate churro or, or take it out of the box. Yeah, like we want to keep it traditional, keep it basic, keep it simple, keep it straightforward, something that everybody, something that's approachable, right? But yes. at the same time, just like having the culinary background and just having something and being in different types of kitchens, I kind of still want to explore a little bit of what can we really do not necessarily to the churro, but just to the experience of the guest that is coming in here. Uh, for example, we have signature uh, signature ice cream dishes. Well, they're not really dishes, but they're just uh, composed. Uh, uh, this, yeah, we call them dishes. Um, for example, we have a churro split. So we take a, a banana split and our twist, instead of putting bananas in it, we put churros with the ice cream. And instead of regular whipped cream, we kind of incorporate the banana back in there by making the banana cream. That sounds delicious. Wow, yeah. that's... We have a, a churro loop that has fresh-made strawberry sauce, which we make in-house, which is sweet on the sweet side. And we pair it with cocoa nib. Cocoa nib is like the raw cocoa bean. So when you taste it, it's extremely bitter. It's, it's a, it, it leaves very bitter notes. But when yeah. you pair it with the, with the sweet strawberry sauce, they counterbalance each other, almost like a salted caramel, which we also have on the menu. So it's like sweet and salty. This is sweet and bitter. Yeah, and then it the bitter ad, the bitter adds to strawberry sweetness while not overpowering it. Neither exactly. of them overpower one another. That's, exactly. that's that's genius, if anything. Yeah, so we we really want to like not reinvent the wheel here. We really do want to keep everything simple and basic and good all across the board, while introducing people 
to like little different flavors and combinations that they might not have been aware of or a certain ingredient or topping that they might have not heard of. But we feel as they complement each other and it just elevates their experience more than anything. Yeah, no, there's a there's a fine line that you're trading right now with uh, the flavors and like the way you are able to combine them without seemingly like overdoing it with with uh, trying too hard to yeah. sort of impress it. And might I say, you are walking that line like a tightrope master. Thank you, thank you. Okay. Next question: uh, the element of social media uh, has this benefited you way more than your expectations uh, saw it beyond because you have done the pop-ups it is beyond one through pop-ups that kind of like gained a little bit of like reputation just with like people inviting me to other pop-ups and and it just led to one event to another um but right now in the store specifically it's been so 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 great that we like the people did our grand opening for us like we are still in our soft opening phase we have not announced wow really yeah we have not announced the grand opening we literally just opened our doors last friday and people walked in and there was a line and people through just through word of mouth would just tell somebody hey the trio shop finally opened the trio shop finally opened finally opened finally hey guys the trio shop finally opened come on we heard over and over and over and over no lie over and over thank you thank you thank you we finally have something of ours we've been waiting for this you are finally open. We thought you were never going to open. We've been waiting this for months. Thank you for finally open. And we have, if you look at our social media, like we haven't really posted anything about opening. We didn't really post anything, really. There might be a couple couple pictures there, a couple stories, but everything has just been word of mouth. Wow. That really shows the power of the community and how they really do find like this, this restaurant and your idea as like, something really beneficial to the community because yeah. the fact that the community itself wants it to happen, I'd say that speaks a powerful message in itself. It does. And it just makes the vision just a, 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 a stronger reality of this is, this is proper. This is right. Like, because it, I don't think it's the churro itself. I don't think people really were that excited for the churro. I don't think people were excited for the coffee. I don't think people are excited for the store. I think they're excited for the ambiance and the space and having something that they can come in and just have all those elements in one place. Yeah, no, like, sure, the churros and the food and the coffee does help. But like you said, the the ambience and the, the I guess, the, the environment and the atmosphere, I wish they could just come into Little Village and just have a coffee shop, hang out with their children. Like everything you just, you described throughout this interview. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it completely makes sense. And it's, it makes it more sense when the community itself is, quote unquote, promoting your, your shop. Exactly. And it, I think it's also because just growing up here, I know a lot of people here. Like, I grew up on the same block with people that I've known for generations already. Like, they have kids. I've known them since they were kids. Um, known them for 20, 30 years. I know all my neighbors, the front one, the side one, the back one, the one across from the alley. And like yeah. everybody would just tell me like, when's it opening? When's it opening? And I was just like, soon, soon, soon. It's in the works. Um, and as soon as it did, like everybody showed up. Everybody, their moms and their neighbors showed up. And I think it that's part of why this is growing so much and why we have so much volume. 
It's because it's somebody from the inside, somebody from the neighborhood that actually took a chance and is trying to do something within the neighborhood. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to allow us to interview you. Uh, we appreciate it greatly. And yes, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Hello, welcome to What's Up on WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio. I'm Angel. Joined with Mary. And we have an interview with Antojito shop owner Gerardo for this segment. Opening up just last week, Antojito shop is a haven for lovers of chamoy, candy, and spicy treats in general. Walking in, you're greeted with shelves filled with candy. Spicy candy at that. Gushers of sahin, fruit roll-ups rolled with chamoy, there's such a large variety in an otherwise small space. When you're done grabbing all the delicious treats and piñatas, you head to the counter. Grab a business card from the Among Us toy turned into a card holder and get ready to chow down on some hot treats. At the head of this all is Gerardo, owner of Antojito Shop. We had an opportunity to talk to him running a business, creating delicious treats, and even chasing your dreams after high school. Enjoy! Hi, my name is Gerardo, and I'm the owner of Tojitos.shop. Alright, cool. So, uh, for all the listeners out there, could you perhaps share an introduction to your business and what you sell here? Uh, yeah, so my business is I sell candy. I also prepare uh, spicy candy, uh, candy with chamoy. I do all sorts of events, like I do caterings for uh, parties as well. That's mostly my, my business. I also sell like corns, a lot of uh, Antojitos Mexicanos, one of my, my priorities here. What was your inspiration on starting your business and why chamoy as your main ingredient? Well, my inspiration was uh, I used to work for uh, a company, which was uh, autom- uh, auto- automobiles. I wasn't happy with uh, the way my life was going and I wanted to do something else. It came up with my opportunity where I put a video, it got a million views. And that's what started my, my business, but it also inspired me to uh, keep on going and uh, doing something better for my life. And if I may ask, what was that video that got a million views? That video was, it was a lollipop dip in a chamoy. And it's a, it's a chamoy, it's a Mexican uh, ingredient, like it, it's a Mexican, you could, you could call it condiment. It, didn't, it wasn't invented by Mexicans, it was actually a, a Japanese person. Came up with an idea, but then a Mexican gave it a little twist. Yeah, so it's a it's a chamoy thing. <laughs> cool. Uh, what is the weirdest thing you put chamoy on? What is the weirdest thing I put chamoy on? I'll probably say chips. I, I know it's not it's not used on chips. Well, a lot of people 
you know, we Mexicans like to spice up our things. So the weirdest thing is on chips. Describe some of your most sold out products or some of the most popular ones. If I could describe one of my most popular candy will be the, the fruit by the foot. They, it's super hard to prepare, time consuming, uh, but it's delicious. It, it's mouth watering. When did you start your business? When did I start my business? My, my business started in 2020. Uh, it was around the pandemic time. I got laid off of work. Uh, my DACA was, uh, it, it, uh, what's it called? It went, it was late for me to uh, keep on working. Uh, you guys know that without DACA, I can't work. So it came late. They gave me uh, three months of leave because I, I, first of all, the pandemic. Second of all, my DACA wasn't uh, with me. Then uh, they gave me back my job, but I didn't, I, it wasn't the same. That's what started my business in 2020. How do you see your business growing over the time? How do I see my business over time? Uh, I want to create my business. I want to make, first of all, my, big, uh, my business grow more. But I always take this. The people that watch me, they made my business. I didn't make my business. I just came up with ideas. And my followers are the ones that are making my business grow more and more. So I want to thank them for giving me this opportunity. Because without them, uh, my business wouldn't grow as, as it's growing right now. Awesome. Uh, that kind of relates to our next question of uh, who were your main supporters when you first started your business? Who was my main supporters when I started my business? It will be my wife and my mom first. They were the biggest supporters that I, I had. So diving into now, like what were like your biggest challenges when developing your business? I'll say, first of all, I had a, uh, one job where I used to work and controlling my business i had to do two jobs at the same time i was neglecting one job because i loved the other job and due to due to that i had to take a decision uh in order to uh, maintain one of them because i don't i'm not a person that likes to uh, mess up in a job or be like irresponsible in their job so i had to tell my manager uh you know what uh, i gotta quit one job because uh, my business is growing so i gotta leave one in order to make make it prosper whatever which, whatever decision I took it's either my job or my business so I took my business what challenges do you still do you still deal with now it's uh, trying to uh, maintain my business running it might seem a small store but it's a lot of work I do I do marketing I do videos I do uh, customer service I do the candy I try to maintain the people that help me to get my quality as good as I can I try to maintain everybody that comes to my store have a great experience. So I do mostly everything from restocking to making the candy, from marketing, from uh, budgeting, everything. I do everything, so it's a little bit challenging trying to control everything. Then I also get comments, I also get messages, and all that piles up, starts piling up, piling up. So it's I take it like a little bar. It's a one bar goes up, I gotta maintain it up so it doesn't lose control. So I imagine, uh, probably imagine like 20 bars that keep on going, keep on going, and they're different levels. So I gotta maintain one. Uh, when one goes up, I gotta maintain it down so it d doesn't lose control. That's my biggest challenge. Awesome, so uh, what is the process of your online orders? Because I, I know that they're pretty popular. So the process of my online orders, you go to my website, you look at the product, I have. I also have descriptions there, which uh, thank you to my sister because she does the the descriptions. Mm -hmm. Then they look at the product, whatever they choose. 
they'll pick uh, an item, go to the cart, and it calculates the, the shipping price, it calculates the, the, the price of the candy, then it gets to me, which I, I look at the order, and then uh, my wife actually helps me package the, the candy. So that's one of the process of the orders. It, it's more complicated than that, but it takes a lot of time, yeah, for an order to be completed. Um, let's dive a little bit into like a funny question. So you have kids, correct? Yes, correct. Okay. Do your kids ever steal your candy? I try to, I try to control it because uh, one of my daughters, I have the candies in store uh, so I could do the mix in my containers. So I always catch her trying to open the lid and she's always trying to open the lid, always, always, always. And last time, because uh, the lid is under the table, well, the, the, the bucket of candy, I catch her and she look at me like, why, uh, why are you looking at me? <laughs> so she gave me that stare like she was doing something. So that's, my daughter is always stealing the candy and they always asking for candy. And I gotta I like all the time be like controlling all the candy because it, it gets uh, a little bit uh, overwhelmed when they're like, candy, candy, candy. And I, I, I just gotta put my, my foot down in order so they don't eat that much candy. Funny. Uh, going back to a more serious question, uh, do you think your kids will take over the business one day? If so, what do you hope they will incorporate? Do I plan my kids on, uh, well, think my kids are gonna take my business? On that question, I would love for my kids to take my business one day to run it. But on, on another, uh, I got this concern when they grow up. So for myself, I don't, I don't, I'm not that type of parent where I wanna force my, my kids into uh, a business. So when my kids grow up, if they want to do my business, it's totally fine. Uh, I'll, uh, this is their their home as well, so I'll I'll, I'll let them work here. I'll, I'll, that's my, one of my plans. But if not, they don't like my they don't like doing business stuff and whatever. It's totally fine because my mom never stopped me from doing what I what I wanted to do. I tried so many things. Like I went from trying to be a barber, from trying to be a gamer, a streamer, a YouTuber. I I done so many things, and my mom never told me. Hey, you gotta stop doing that. You gotta follow what I'm doing. So in that case, I, uh, I I'll say, uh, no. My my kids can do whatever they they love, whatever makes them happy. I want my kids to uh, do the the same. So I don't want my kids to be forced. Like there's a lot of uh, a lot of Latino parents that they have like their construction business or like their uh, lawn mowing business, and they want them to follow in their footsteps. You know. So if my kids don't want, don't want to work here or they they don't want to follow my what I because this is my dream. This is not their dream. So I feel it like that way. So why would I, I stop? If they want to follow a, a different dream, why would I stop from, from them dreaming as well like I did, you know? So recently I was looking at your mini vlogs that you've been yep. doing <laughs> and I saw that you were, like if, I saw that you were talking about how if your 10 year old self would like see what you're doing right now, like he wouldn't believe it. So I kind of got inspiration from that okay. to ask you a question. So if your 10-year-old self came into the store, what would he get and why? If my 10-year-old my 10 self will come into my store, I would I, I confuse. I, I wouldn't know what candy to get, first of all, because I want to dive in my candy all the time. Like I, I, I usually don't get my candy and start eating a lot because I can't, but I do try to keep it as like, quality-wise as I can. But I will say the lollipops. I love lollipops, and I will get the lollipops. But I, I literally will go crazy in my own, in my own store. <clears throat> when I was a kid, I never thought I would, I would have this kind of like a business. I used to hate business. 
I used to hate like dealing with people and stuff like that. Like I said, I used to be a barber and I didn't like customer service at all. I don't know what got me back into this. Probably was my, my destiny, but I, I used to hate uh, customer service, like dealing with another person. And I wasn't social like I am today, but I will say the lollipops. I, I really love what I created here, like my own my own chilito, my own uh, chamoy. And it's still not perfect. A company is not perfect. I've still got a lot of space to grow. And that I will say to my, if I saw it myself, I'll say like, hey man, keep on going because you're doing a good job. Ending off with one more question. What if like the little you saw you and like saw the person you're becoming now, what would he think or say? What I will say is, because I, when I was a little kid, I used to, uh, what's it called? I used to be traumatized, I will say. Uh, my dad gave me a bad experience. I love my dad, my dad, but he gave me a, a bad experience as a child. I will say, hey, don't worry. Uh, you got this. Uh, you're a strong person like your mom. So I will say, uh, don't worry. You got this, yeah. So uh, to wrap it up, what is, like, do you have a message you would like to give out to the teens out there and just, like, people in their teenage lives in high school going off to college and everything? Yes. What would I say to a, a teen that's coming out of a... Uh, high school sorry about that so I'll say don't worry I know it's overwhelming when you come out of high school I know there's a lot of people looking at you like what are you gonna do next what are you gonna do next don't rush it take your time remember life is not gonna end tomorrow just take your time take it one time or one day at a time so you don't get overwhelmed without the without all the college stuff uh, all their parents telling you you gotta you gotta study so don't worry take one one day at a time so that will make you uh make the right decision uh don't forget that you're listening to wlpn lp chicago 105.5 fm lumpen radio and once again i am it i'm angel i'm gerardo from tojito shop and thank you all for listening Welcome to What's Up on WLPNLP Chicago 105.5 Lumpen Radio. And you're here with Diego and Kayla. In this segment, we will have a conversation with the amazing and talented founder of Mary Jane Nails, Kayla Pena. Hi, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Kayla Pena or Mary Jane Nails on Instagram. Nice to meet you, Kayla. To start off with the first question, how did you get the name Mary Jane Nails? Is there a particular reason why your name is spelled Mary with an I instead of Mary with a Y? Um, so Mary Jane is actually my middle name, and it was just spelled like that. A lot of people get it confused, but it's spelled with an I, so I just chose that as my name because everything else with Kayla was taken. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love it. This is a cool name. It's a cool name. So what motivated you to start the business? Was it the pandemic? Did you have ambitions before the pandemic? Uh, I always liked doing nails, like even back in like fourth grade, I would paint other people's nails in like recess and stuff. 
and I just always like like seeing my mom's nails so I always like doing like I like nail art and stuff like that and then after I had like a bad experience at a salon that's what pushed me to start doing my own nails and then I just fell in love with doing it but you said you like looking at your mom's nails did she do nails or was it just like they look nice today but just like when she would get her nails done like back in the early 2000s I just like like that nail that type of nail art like with the lines and stuff and yeah I just after that like first it didn't start off as like I wanted to do other people's nails I just did it for myself for fun and then my family started asking me to do theirs and that's when I started doing other people's and how does it feel that now that you like you do those types of nail designs and stuff like do you do it on your mom like the ones that she used to get like back when she was in the early 2000s I feel like now she don't really get stuff like that because it's not like with the trend anymore. But like I still do it on myself because that's what it reminds me of. But I feel like I'm starting to see it more like often now. Like more people are starting to get it. So it's exciting when people book like sets like that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like gives you that nostalgia. It takes you back yeah. a little bit. And for your nail business, like what are some of the challenges when running a nail business? And how do you manage your clients through social media? Like, can you give us some insight on that? Some challenges are like, so starting off, like you don't always have like the best equipment. Even now I don't still have like the top of the line stuff, but like I just make it work with what I have. And like some, some months are slower than others. Some months are like better than others, but it can also get stressful. Like during like prom time and stuff when everyone like wants to get their nails done, I don't have enough time for everybody. Like I wish I did, but that's like some of the struggles, like making time for because I'm still in school, so making time for everything. But this is like my main job and I like what I do. So that's like the best part of it. Managing clients online, it's, I like doing it through DMs because I get to communicate with them and like see what they're thinking about getting or like just trying to see like the type of person they are through the way that they message me. Um, it's just fun also like to see other creators and that's where I get my inspiration from too. And do you get a lot of your clients, like, is it just through people from school or your age? Or is it like a lot of people from the city? Like, how does that happen through social media and when um, your work spreads? In the beginning, it was mostly just like my friends and family. Even it still is like mostly friends and family. But like, then I started, eventually I started getting people like friends of friends or like people who heard about me or like mentioned me to other people. And that's just like how it goes, like with having a business like online or just in general like word of mouth so you manage school and doing the nails how do you manage the time how long does it take you to get one set of nails done how, how does um, that whole thing come about once it depends on like what the person gets if it's like something simple like just like one color it probably take like like minimum is always like two hours it takes about two hours but some have taken like five hours someone like especially on my friends I take a long time because we're talking and stuff but like with most of my clients like after one appointment I consider them my friends like I don't even see them as my clients like I just see this as like our time to just chill and like hang out while I'm doing like a service for them but the longest I've probably taken was like probably like seven hours but it was like split into two days because it was just dragging because we we're talking too much Okay, and we got a prime example of you doing nails on your friends with Kayla here. You want yeah. to get into detail with the nails you did for her? Because they look amazing. They fire. Thank you. Um, I think I think hers took like three and a half hours. I don't remember. 
she showed me like an inspo picture, but every time like she comes, we end up adding other stuff or like putting our own spin on it. And this time she let me freestyle. So I just started adding like whatever I had. I just started putting stuff on her nails. There wasn't really like a set idea or like inspiration I had. I just like went with whatever I had. Yeah, for real. I just go over there and she just does her magic. She just gives me any idea. I'm like, hey, just put on whatever you think goes together. And you know, yeah, that's what she does. Um, can you give a little more detail on like the types of nails you do or like the techniques? So like maybe touch up a little bit on like acrylic or the different types of nail or like gel effects and stuff. So I mostly started doing um acrylic. I started I just started doing gel X a few months ago. Um, but acrylic's like the main the main one that I still do. Like I like both. I like doing both. I like the process of both. One is like kind of easier than other, like gel X probably easier, but I also like doing acrylic. I find it satisfying. Like once the finished product is done with, with all my nails, I like seeing the end product. So you like acrylic nails more than the Gelux nails? Honestly, I feel like it depends on what the person is getting. Like if it's something that requires a lot of nail art. I mean, I don't see I don't really mind either one, but like when it's a lot of nail art, I like doing Gelux because it like saves a lot of time. But I also like doing acrylic because it's just satisfying. <laughs> like even when Kayla comes, like, She'll be talking, we'll be talking like the whole time. And as soon as I start doing the acrylic, we're silent because we're just looking at me doing it. For real, it's so satisfying. Yeah. Do you, do you have like a favorite nail set? Um, I think oh. my favorites that I've done, I'll show, well, you won't be able to see, but it's probably the ones I did this year um, on my page. They're from on June 6th. I posted them. They have like cherries on them. Those, I think those are my favorites so far, like most recent, but I think, for a long time, my favorite uh, was the set I did inspired by Cocaine. She's like my favorite um, nail tech mm. on Instagram because I just love all her work. So I recreated one of her sets. And that was like the first time that I really challenged myself to do something like super, super creative and like that required a lot of nail art and like detail. How long did that one take? Those probably took like four hours because I did those on myself so it took a minute oh wow I was actually gonna bring that up so do you usually do acrylic or gel X on yourself or is it a mix I do a mix of both it just like depends like sometimes I even make press-ons for myself because it's easier like trying to do my non-dominant hand but if I do acrylic on myself it probably take like because on myself it takes me like my whole day because I take breaks in between you know I'm just taking my time but yeah, it's like it takes me a minute to do my own. Yeah, we were looking at your Instagram and we re we really like the croc nail one the, with like the aquarium type thing inside the nail. Oh, okay, really cool. Yeah. I really <laughs> Thank with you. It. Yeah, can you give us a little insight on like how that process of what you did and how you executed that and how long it took? So those I did on like my best friend Bones. Um, he's always challenging me to do something crazy, and that's what I love, and that's why we take so long. Uh, that was my first time doing aquarium nails. And honestly, I feel like I could have did better, but like that was the first time. So it was just like practice kind of for me just to see what I could do. And I think those are those are the ones that took like about seven hours because we started like around. No, it probably took more because we started like I think around five or six. And then we had to come back the next day, like the next morning to finish them because I didn't finish. I did like I did. First, I encapsulated glitter on those pink and, pink and green glitter. And then I did the croc design. I put some letters on the top with gems. And I also did nail 
nail piercings on those and then the aquarium nails too. <laughs> yeah, I like the fact that you take your time with your art. Have you always been like this? Did you slow down for a while? Do you take breaks? Because you seem really passionate about it. I sometimes I take breaks like um, this past two weeks. I think I took a little bit of break because I went on vacation and I just needed like some time to like chill out because I always like since I love what I do, I always book too much and then I end up like getting stressed out. But I look forward to it because when I have nothing else to do, I'm like, damn, like, like I wish I could be doing nails right now. But sometimes I take breaks during school, like when it gets too hectic. But even when I'm on break, like I'm still doing my own nails or like I'm practicing sets that I want to do in the future. So it's like I'm really never taking a break because I, I really like what I do. <laughs> Is there any set that you have in mind or like an idea that um, you want to like execute in the future or that like you want to try something new? Um, I have a few like that I have drawn out that I'm hoping to do soon with Kayla to do. I'm trying to do a shoot with Kayla soon. So I have a few that I'm trying to finish so I could take pictures of those and I'm excited for that. <laughs> what do you plan to do with it? Like, do you want to get a shop? Do you want to make a website so you could distribute it through mail and you could sell it like worldwide type of thing? Honestly, I don't know. Like I've thought about opening a shop before, but I kind of like that I do it like in my own space. Because I feel like running a shop would be kind of stressful for me. And it's like something that's like more personal to me. And like, I like being able to just be with me and my client in one space. But I probably have like a studio. I don't know if I would have like other, I don't know if I would have other people in there, but probably just me and like the clients. Um, I have thought about making press-ons before. And it's something that's still like in the back of my mind, like to ship them out. But it's just like figuring out how to go about that is a lot. <laughs> and how do you picture yourself like in the future? Do you think there's going to be a struggle with like you going to school and pursuing what you're pursuing in school and as well as your small business? Or what do you think? How do you think that's going to go? Honestly, I don't I'm not like 100 percent sure, but I know I'm like I still want to continue doing this as long as I can. Like with the what I'm going to school for, like I should still have time and I'm going to make time like to be able to do this on the side if I want to. Or like it might just become like my main source of income. Like I still don't know for sure, but I'm just seeing how things go so far. I, I like how you keep it personal, like with your clients. So you guys could have like a connection and they could keep coming back to you type thing. I like how you do that. But how do you how does your schedule look in one day? Do you do like two clients a day? Is it just one? Uh, honestly, it depends on like what I book. Usually I try to do at least two a day. I start like pretty early. I start like at 9 a.m. So I'll be waking up like at six to get ready and set up. And I usually try to take two. I think the max I've done is four because it's like each set takes a while. So I try to like make sure I have enough time. I don't I don't like to rush through like or have them back to back because I know that like I'm going to be taking my time on things. and also never know like how long it's gonna take exactly because it just depends on the set. But usually I try to take two or three a day. So um, thank you for like giving us some of that insight. Um, the next question that we have is, are there any tips or advice for the audience on how to be an entrepreneur at a young age, especially starting a business like yours, maybe nails or anything else that has to deal with art? 
honestly, I feel like the main thing is just to be consistent and like just don't give up like that easily because when I first started like my nails were looking real crusty like bumpy and everything and if I had given up back then like I wouldn't be where I am now and I feel like there's always room for progress even now I still see like things that I want to change or like that I want to improve on so like I feel like you can always keep practicing and like don't be discouraged by like what materials you have like I said like I still make like I make do with what I have even back then I still make do with what I had so like I feel like there's always a way to like do things if you really if you really want to um near West Lawn uh, slash Midway area um yeah like near West Lawn Park also what's your Instagram handle so people could check you out if they choose to um my Instagram's at Mary Jane Nails it's spelled M-A-R-I-J-A-N-E nails <laughs> with the I, not a Y. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank we you for having me. appreciate you coming on. Have a good day. See you. You too. Welcome to What's Up, WLPN, LP Chicago, 105.5 FM, Lumpin Radio, and we are Kayla and Diego. And in this segment, we will have a conversation with the amazing and talented founder of Liz's Sweets, Lizbeth Alvarez. Hi, thank you for having me today. I'm really excited. We have many questions for you today. And the first question is, what is chocolate to you? What does chocolate mean to you? What got you into cooking? What made you want to cook with what you cook with? Is it anything in particular? I feel like to me personally, chocolate would be like a form of art just because that's what I prefer to do with it. Like I like doing all covered like treats, but specifically I feel like when I have orders that have like details or drawings, I feel like those are the ones that I enjoy the most, even though they can be frustrating at the end of the day, they're the designs that like make me happiest. Yeah, we seen your Instagram page with fire. You're really talented, my bro. Thank you. Yeah, and I love that. And um, this follows into the next question. In your business, um, do you use different types of chocolate? And if so, like, can you explain the difference in chocolate or how you, the process is with that? Yeah. So usually, the most popular ones are white chocolate or milk chocolate. White chocolate can be colored. So those are really popular for like themes and parties. And then milk chocolate is more of a bitter taste to it. But my favorite chocolate is the semi-sweet. A lot of people don't really use it but or like it just because it's not like sweet, sweet. It kind of has a bitter taste to it. But I feel like those strawberries taste the best. And then white chocolate, I feel like, would be the most sweet. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I don't like chocolate. So, but I, they look really good, like mm-hmm. I said before. So when did you start your business? Was it during the pandemic, before the pandemic? Yeah, and- it was actually during the pandemic. So 20, 2020, um, 2020, fall 2020. Did the pandemic push you 
to start the business or did you already have ambitions way before that? So I had already like done chocolate covered strawberries for like family events and things like that. Like in our family, it was just something that we did, but it wasn't like, you know, my my designs were nice or like my lines were like straight. Um, so with the pandemic, I wanted to get like do a little small gift for my friends. So I went on YouTube and I was looking at this um, YouTuber. It's called, she's called Pretty Pastel Pastries. And she kind of motivated me because I liked watching her videos. I thought they were really like pleasing how she set up and everything that she did. So it kind of pushed me to try it out. And then I started buying stuff little by little. And then I gave some to my friends. And then from there, I was like, oh, let me just tell them to post it. And, you know, maybe some other people would be interested just to see where where it would go you got better obviously mm-hmm. so you told me they were in straight lines how long did it take you has it been like a constant practice or have you slowed down did you get back at it because so I would say to improve because you know I was like determined I was like I cannot sell these stuff until my lines are like nice or like somewhat cleaner so I would practice at first just like making strawberries for my family And then on a spoon, like on the back of the spoon, like practicing the lines because I felt like my work had to be clean in order for me to feel comfortable selling it. So I started practicing in like October and then I gifted the strawberries to my friends in November for like Thanksgiving. So about a month for me to just get some practice with like dipping and doing some sort of designs. That's cool. And that actually follows up into the next question that we have. So like looking on your page, we stumbled across strawberries and sweets that included like a lot of glitter or like very like detailed types of strawberries Mm -hmm. and we were wondering like as a business like how's your process when trying to work with edible ingredients like specifically glitter or those types of things so at first um I definitely did take some online classes with different people who had already been in the business for a while but I there were some things that I just didn't feel like were helpful or some instructors who I just felt like weren't really truthful about the stuff that they were teaching and so a lot of the things that come with working with edible ingredients is knowing you know the difference between toxic and then non-toxic and then it being FDA approved. So I definitely did have to do a lot of research, um, try to follow like other Instagrammers who just had a larger following and had a lot of, were more of content creators because they do have brand deals with like products that are more FDA approved. So from there, I was able to learn like what products I was able to use. And then obviously constantly having to like search for products that were edible but also FDA approved so sometimes glitter is hard because people want it to be like super super like sparkly and shiny but a lot of those products are are just non-toxic but they're not you know they're you're not gonna get harmed if you eat small traces of it but personally I feel like I would just want my product to be to have no risk to like my customers you know yeah for sure because then if like you give somebody something that's not edible it could like taint your whole business or like yeah. just lead to so many problems with like your health and stuff mm-hmm. yeah so you say you took online classes what did you take away from that like other than like cooking obviously did you get like taught any lessons 
to make you more efficient? I feel like the main takeaway was like having the patience and the motivation to keep working on it because you know, like a lot of the instructors explained to us, this isn't going to be something that you just learn overnight. You're going to have to keep practicing and you're only going to learn with practice. Like they can tell you how to do something and do a step by step. But if you don't practice it, then there's not really going to be any improvement on your on like on your end. So how do you manage everything? What like tools do you use? Do you, do you- does your brother or your sister, assuming you have a brother or sister, do they help you? Does your mom help you? How do you manage a lot of orders when you get a lot of orders? So I am a very like picky person with with like my work. And I would like for like my my family, like my mom or my because my mom's a stay at home mom. So like I would love for her to be able to help me with it. But I'm so picky that I I just do everything. So like for holidays, the only thing that they they help me with that well that I let her help me with is washing the strawberries and like drying them up and then having everything set up. Just because when it comes to dipping and like decorating, I feel like that's just my strong point and I can do it like quicker and more efficiently than than my like it would for my mom to do it. So all the orders I do dip and decorate by myself and then my mom just helps me like prep. My dad has helped me like do boxes, like custom boxes, or like just has helped with ideas for how to set things up. That's fine. That's fine. I like how your mom and pops help you with something. <laughs> yeah. But I also like the fact that you take initiative. That shows mm-hmm. that you care for what you're doing. So I mess with that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, they definitely do tell me like, you know, you care a lot about what you do, which is good because some businesses can just care about like doing more, like selling more, whereas I would prefer to just sell something that's a quality product. And focusing on ingredients, what would you say is the most fun ingredients that you used or what ingredients do you like to use? I don't really like sprinkles, <laughs> but but I feel like they are always the one like I don't like sprinkles like the taste of them but I feel like they can make a design go from very like simple to very elegant so I like using like the pearl sprinkles because I feel like those go good with anything and I like using poppy paint to do like designs on the strawberries but most people prefer for like the designs to be drawn with the chocolate so that's really what I use the most. Mm, that's cool that's cool I'm that's interesting I would have thought that you would have liked to work with sprinkles because you know like a lot of people like working with sprinkles especially like the details that they give but Mm -hmm. um that follows into the next question um because you mentioned taste um do you think that color has a taste okay so there's two two brands that I use so I like well there's three uh color mill which is like an Australian company then there's chocolate chameleon and then chef master but i feel like the reds and the blacks are always the ones that have a kind of like taste to it which i don't that's why i don't like working with red and black because it does change the taste of the of the chocolate a little bit and it doesn't taste bad it's just it takes away a little bit of the chocolate flavor Mm, yeah like are you saying like the richness of it Mm -hmm. yeah Mm. That's interesting. Yeah, I was just thinking about that because a lot of people would say that taste has a color, but I also feel like in certain aspects, depending on what you're eating, I mean, with sweets, it's different, you know, especially with chocolate and stuff. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's like there's another perspective that's like, well, you know, some of us are like kind of conditioned to thinking like that. Well, if you see something that's like pink, it's going to taste like strawberries. I really liked your feedback with that. And I hadn't like thought about 
the colors changing the taste until I started doing strawberries and notice because I was like why is this strawberry that's red tasting different from a plain white one and then I started noticing in other like bakers products how it also does change a little bit of the taste when it's either black or like red or like a very like dark color talking about taste we saw that you made a gelatina of corona I we 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 were just like gas. We're like, what is this? It looks cool. How did that taste? How did that come about? Like, so like- my mom actually makes all the gelatinas. I haven't gotten into them. The ones that I would like to do are like the ones that have flowers that are encapsulated. And I am thinking of taking a course for them because obviously, like I want to keep expanding my business and learning new things. But my mom did take um classes on jello so she's the one that does those and the one that she did was like coconut flavored for like the base and then the ice cubes are just i don't even know what flavor they were to be honest but you can change the the flavor you could have you could also do coconut and like change the base because it's a white color so you could add food coloring and then have it be like a blue um like beer instead of it being white yeah and talking about the, this sweet expansion what, what are your next steps? Because you've been growing at a great rate. You almost have 1K followers. It might not seem like a lot, but how I see it is like put 1K people in a room. That's crazy. You know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah, you, should, you should be proud of that. How, how are you taking this all in? What, what are your next steps? What are you thinking? Thank you. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to grow my business because it started as something that I was like, oh, you know, like maybe not a lot of people are going to be interested in. And it definitely like expanded. So for the future, I hope to, well, I want to get into making the encapsulated jellos and then into making sugar cookies. Um, I've had some practice like decorating sugar cookies, but I haven't, I don't want to sell them yet because I don't, I want to like perfect the stuff before I begin to like sell. In that aspect of like things that I want to add to the menu, it would be those two. And then in terms of grow, um, I would say just being able to invest more in my business because, you know, I've been able to save up a bit. So definitely looking into like luxury boxes or like what, um, what new products I could try. Yeah, if you make sugar cookies, I'll, I'll be first in line. I love sugar cookies. I for real. Yeah. yeah, me too. Yeah, I let you know. They fire for real. Just to follow into that, basically talking about your business and entrepreneurship. Um, is there any tips or advice for the audience on how to be an entrepreneur at a young age? I think definitely just start would be my first thing because a lot of times, you know, it is scary, especially when you have to start from like scratch and you don't really have resources to to help you build your business it can be scary because you don't have anything to fall back on but if it's something that you are passionate about then definitely encourage it because you know it's cheesy but like when i'm working on strawberries i don't feel like i'm working whereas when i go to my job it it kind of feels like i'm working so um that would be one and then i would definitely say to pay attention to social media and do pop-ups because pop-ups will get you a lot of connections um you know my first pop-up not a lot of my followers showed up but I was able to gain more followers and new customers from that so I feel like social media now is really important especially like Instagram because they have a lot of power to like get you on people's pages so making sure that you're aware of like when to post being consistent 
like even though sometimes it's hard it will definitely help your your page grow oh so you're balancing doing the list suites and the job yeah well i'm not working anymore um but i was working i had a part-time job because i'm also a student so oh so you're in school too yeah it it was very hard to balance because i was working at a hospital so i was working all three shifts and then you know i would still have orders so i'd come back home um at like seven in the morning do my order wait till like nine in the morning for pickup and then go to sleep because so you for all just kept it pushing yeah three things that's impressive i feel yeah yeah it's just like um i don't know i feel like it's important to be dedicated at least because i know like you know the the thing like i want to save up for my own house so that's really the thing that's pushing me to just do my best and like keep building like my own my business in my business yeah how where do you want to take this sweets is it just pop-up sony shop what do you what are you thinking i think a shop would be good but i feel like i like working from from my home so i feel like once i move out from like here i feel like i would definitely continue to like work from home and just you know kind of have since it'll be my own house just have the whole basement to my like for my business and then like the upstairs just a regular home and um if you would like to share like a little bit more on the social media aspect of things um how do you prefer for people to contact you um, where you're located and how that process works with your customers yeah so i'm on instagram and facebook um so my instagram is liz like l-i-z-s underscore underscore and then sweet and then on facebook it's just like liz sweet i mostly go on instagram that's where like i'm more consistent with posting and stuff and i'm located in the west lawn neighborhood in chicago what, what about tiktok because i know a lot of people use it do you plan on using it like as a tool yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I feel like that's definitely something I have to work on. I did have a TikTok account for like my business, but I can't I can't stay consistent with posting videos or making videos. Like sometimes when I have a lot of orders, it's hard to like record every order and then it's just me by myself. So like I can't be switching the angles and then like working. Like it throws off like my like my mindset that I'm in. <laughs> And uh, yeah, whenever you do get time or if you could squeeze in any type of time, um, we would love to see like the process of how you put things together. Like, for example, we've seen your luxury boxes. We've seen your holiday stuff. We've seen um, all the different types of stuff you did. Yeah. So um, I definitely think that would be good for like to build an audience, even like, you know, because, you know, TikTok spreads all over the place. You just keep scrolling and then they're going to keep scrolling on your page. Oh, oh, this. Oh. Mm-hmm. sugar cookies sugar cookies you know what I mean? it's gonna be fire yeah for real i know that i'm on tiktok all the time and i like will see people making food and i, I don't even know how to do any of that and, but i'll just keep looking and looking it looks so good and yeah it would be and stinky. then you bookmark it and you'll never try it but it's bookmarked <laughs> yeah for real just to look back on and you know maybe i'll try it one day or something i'll be doing that with hair when they be cutting hair <laughs> just it's just addicting. I don't have TikTok, but it's like Instagram. Satisfying. Yeah, it just it just looks cool. Or those little ASMR videos, like with the glitter or the little sweets you want to do. You know? Yeah, I feel like I d- I would definitely want to do like a prep, like a behind the scenes, because for holidays it is a lot of work. Like you'll have to be prepping up to like a month in advance just to be able to have everything for one day. What's the most orders you got during the holiday? 
the most orders I think were for Valentine's Day. And I think it was like 50 something orders. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay, hustler. <laughs> yeah. It was were you still working and going to school during that time? Uh well, I was on my spring semester, but since my courses were online for that, um, like during that time period, it was much more manageable. And I feel like even if I was going in person, I would have just missed a day because <laughs> Yeah, trying to get it all done, and especially for the holidays and stuff. Hey, but that's good. Your work's really good, and you know, um, fine, fine. Yeah, thank you. Okay, well, uh, that actually comes to the end of our interview here. Um, again, my name's Kayla, and then Diego, voice crack. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me, guys. I hope you guys have a good day. Yeah, keep it pushing. You're doing great. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we'll be looking for that TikTok, too. Okay, okay, I'll send it to you guys. Okay, thank you. Bye. 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 Hi, this segment is with Yola and Isha, and you're listening to What's Up, None of Your Business. The following segment is with Ida Nelson. She is the owner of Ida's Artisan Ice Cream and Treats. Her business was started in the comfort of her own home during quarantine. As we all know, so many businesses were starting during the time. And well, personally, I'm a big fan. This business is so cool and really dope with its bright designs and well, hello, ice cream. I mean, who's not a fan of ice cream? We hope you enjoy this segment. Before we start this interview, could you introduce yourself and share a little about your title or position? Um, sure. Well, my name is Ida's, uh, Ida Nelson. I am the founder of Ida's Artisan Ice Cream and Treats, an ice cream brand that I kind of started in my North Lawndale kitchen when I lost my job due to COVID. It was a new adventure for me because I had no formal training in ice cream at all. I just kind of literally woke up one day and said that I was going to start making ice cream, and I did. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm from the North Lawndale community. I am a mom. I am a um, social justice warrior. I am a business owner, a community activist, and, um, you know, a person who is considered, I guess, a change agent for um, for not only our community, but for the next generation in general. So what inspired you to do ice cream specifically? I was inspired to do ice cream specifically because we call ourselves kind of like ice cream connoisseurs. Uh, We love ice cream. We would go all over to um, ice cream shops. And during COVID, it was kind of our our comfort thing to like order ice cream from um, who is someone who is now one of my competitors um, and just kind of eat that together as a family. Uh, And then when I... um, when we were quarantining, I decided that I wanted to try my hand at making ice cream with my kids just as something fun to do. Um, and shortly thereafter, I lost my job. And so um, I said, well, you know, trying to figure out what I was going to do, what was my next move, wanted to try my hand at entrepreneurship and started, you know, perfecting my ice cream recipes in my, in my kitchen. Um, I also started this, the, the ice cream business in general, or I should say just um, I wanted to be an entrepreneur because I wanted to participate in cooperative economics. Um, I wanted to participate in creating resources for my family and my community on my own terms. 
And entrepreneurship seemed to be the only way to do that. And then I also wanted to create something that was fun and that um, inspired people. And ice cream is definitely something that covers both of those, um, those goals that I had in mind. Do you feel that your past jobs and business have helped you in a sort of way with your business? Absolutely. Um, I feel like all of those um, different opportunities that I've had, like I've worked in banking, I've worked in retail sales, um, I've worked in management, um, facilities management, you name it. I've had many different careers over my lifetime. And um, I took something from each one of those and now I'm incorporating them into my current business model. With that being said, how is the transitioning from past jobs to establishing your business as a CEO? The transition is somewhat, can be somewhat hard, but it also is very rewarding. When you have a job per se, there is a certain structure that you have to have in terms of like, you have to be at work every day at eight o'clock or someone's going to like pat your hand or reprimand you. Um, as a business owner, I come in when I feel like it or when I have orders. And, but, but that does not mean that I don't work a lot of hours. I actually uh, work more hours as a CEO than I did when I was an employee, but I do so on my own terms and um, I'm able to find a little bit more balance in my life, I feel like, than I had when I was um, in corporate America. Uh, another adjustment is you don't get paid unless you hustle. You know, you can show up at a job and you can be mediocre and you're still going to get paid every two weeks, you know, or every week or whatever it is. But as a, as a business owner, that is not the case. You have to show up and bring it every day and you have to represent your brand, you know, in the best way possible in order to create financial resources for yourself or else you go out of business. You mentioned that uh, you began this business as a result of the pandemic. How do you think that it has impacted your business? Um, I think that the pandemic, I think, I believe everything happens for a reason. And I feel like that pandemic was almost like a reset for us as a people. And it gave people time to reflect on how they wanted to show up in the world. And, you know, as we see, there's a lot of entrepreneurs that came out of the pandemic. And I think that my business model is even more so effective because of the pandemic, um, because I do a packaged good. Like I don't scoop and serve ice cream. I don't have a brick and mortar um, location just yet. But um, that's okay because people are used to now they are more used to curbside pickup and the idea of a packaged good being more sanitary, more convenient. And then also um, I do a good bit of delivery and also people were used to having things delivered to them as a result of the pandemic. So those things kind of helped to work in my favor. But some of the downside that came from that is now because of the pandemic, a lot of resources and materials are difficult to come by and the prices. So there was an interruption in the market and prices for things have what gone up. You've talked about it a little, but how has your community shaped or affected your business? My community has really um, propelled my business to the place that it is to a place now where we started out making ice cream in our North Lawndale kitchen to now 
I am and serving it out of the trunk of my car to now I am going to be a vendor at Lollapalooza uh, because of the support uh, that my community has shown for me. Um, They support me in the way of, you know, uh, contracting me out for a lot of the events, but it's also because the way that I've shown up for the community as well. Everywhere I go, I represent our community in a positive way and shine positive light on our community. I donate ice cream. Um, You know, I really participate in what it means to be a uh, reciprocal community member. On the topic of social media, has your online presence impacted how you do business and how your business uh, flourishes as well? Oh, absolutely. My business took off because of social media, because of my friends promoting my business. Like people, you know, I have a I have a product that people really enjoy, coupled with custom with good customer service. And when you have a product that people enjoy. Um, they will talk about it. They will share it, you know? Um, And then of course we worked on getting better at creating content that is interesting and engaging and we're continuing to improve upon that. Um, So I would say yes. Um, Also, I would say as it relates to like Instagram, right? When you think of Instagram, people think you have to have millions of followers in, in order to be relevant. Well, I only have a little over a thousand followers and I'm grateful for the followers that I have because my Instagram growth is organic. And these are people who have actually tried my product and really enjoy my product and are supporters and will show up where, wherever I am. So I, you know, I'm that person that would rather have a thousand followers that are true and altruistic and that really understand my brand than have millions of followers that, you know, um, are not my actual supporters. And, you know, kind of that's how I am about the brand in general. It is not my aspiration to be in Walmart. It is my aspiration to be in stores that are like urban market or, you know, community stores um, so that we can continue to give people something that is authentic, you know, something that um, is special. I know on your website, you have images of your ice cream packaging. We love it with its vibrant and bright colors. Is there a reasoning or inspiration behind the packaging? And could you describe some to our audience? I always wanted to make sure that my brand represents who I am as a person and that I never lose sight of that. Uh, And so I consider myself bright and vibrant. Um, I'm very proud of how I show up in the world as a Black woman. As a woman in general, I'm very proud of myself. I'm proud of my city, despite what the negative reputation that we sometimes get. I'm very proud of my community. And um, I embrace all cultures. You know, um, I embrace how people show up in the world as long as it is in a positive and respectful way. And so I um, partnered up with a family friend, August, and we created this this um, this imagery of unity and hope and inspiration. So that when people buy this ice cream and they see it, they're instantly they have those good hormones going. You know that 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 feel good um, feeling going on when they see this brand, when they see the packaging. So, yeah. And then also my friend August is from the Little Village community. I'm from the North Lawndale community. And during the summer of 2020, when I founded this business, 
there was a lot going on. And um, one of those things going on was the the uprising due to the George Floyd um, murder, God rest his soul. Um, and that kind of created discourse between our communities, the Little Village and the North Lawndale community. And so we united on this packaging to create unity through ice cream. And this packaging literally says creating unity one pint at a time. And it has been featured at community peace parties that are geared towards uniting the Little Village and North Lawndale communities as one. And so that is what this packaging represents for for us. How long does it usually take you to like develop an image for your ice cream? Just a couple of tries, I think, to develop this image. And um, we'll be working together to create some different images. But for now, this is so recognizable. People, like when they see this, someone walking down the street with this packaging, they're like, well, where did you get that from? And so... I don't know if we're quite ready to make any changes on image yet, but it took us probably just like two weeks or so. We've seen on your website and social media, you talk about the importance of social awareness, specifically in the school environment. Could you speak more about that? Oh, there's just so many things that need to have light shed around them. But I feel like it's really important that we activate voices of and understand the plight of the the next generation, which are the children in in these schools and understand the things that they're going through and also understanding our past mistakes as a society and how they impact the future generations and that we begin to not only talk about them, but put a plan of action in place for how we can overcome some of these past hurts that are still today affecting our, our youth and our society and uh, figure out a strategic way of how we can overcome that together as a society. Um, And also it gives me, it gives us the opportunity to discover that as for as different as we may seem or may look, we're actually more alike than we seem. I feel like the ice cream helps to release the inhibitions that people have about having these conversations. And ironically, it just opens up the mind because while you're eating this, serotonin is being released. You're in a good mood. And <laughs> really and truly, you know, you, it, there's, a, there's literally like good vibes that are going on. Plus the ice cream is literally made with love. I believe that love and energy transcends. And so it transcends and transfers into the ice cream. And so when we're incorporating this love, and this energy into those conversations, they are always productive, you know, and something always comes out of it. And especially when, you know, and also when I'm mediating or facilitating these conversations, I'm coming from a good place and I'm coming from the heart. And I have a lot of life experiences that, um, you know, gratefully people are able to receive me when I'm facilitating these conversations. I've used this business to kind of um, help me to arrive at my destiny. Because for me, this is bigger than even just ice cream. This is about changing the outcomes for the next generation. And if we understand marketing, we can understand how a product can change a culture, period. You know, that's why they do so, spend so much money on what? Marketing. You get in the mind of a person, you get into the 
you know, um, you get to project your views or the company or corporation projects its views onto people and it changes an entire culture. So that's kind of what the ice cream socials are about. So what's the process you go through when developing your ice cream recipes? (laughs) Don't tell anybody, but I don't actually have like written down recipes. I have over 40 flavors and I think I'm like some sort of mad scientist or something. I don't know. It's just, I do it until it feels right. I come up with, I go to sleep literally with ice cream on my mind and wake up with ice cream on my mind very often. How I can improve it, make it better. God has blessed me with an exquisite tongue palette. And so I'm able to just feel it as I go. So that was a bad question for me because I am, I am bad at actual recipes. How many flavors have you created so far? And have there been any mishaps of flavor creations? Of course. So far, I've come up with greater than 45, maybe even 50 flavors, okay? And of course, there have been mishaps because what did I just admit? I don't always use a recipe or follow a recipe. And this is science, food science. The other day, I didn't put enough milk in a batch and it came out too creamy, like butter. You know, I had to go back to the drawing board on that and say, okay, as a, you know, that thing that works when you are small time, but as you are scaling, which is what I'm doing now, that process does not work anymore. And so now I have to become more, um, even more so business oriented and write down the process and also teach other people how to do it so that I can do more of the CEO level work and less of the operations work. And then, yeah, and then because I'm not formally trained in ice cream or food science, it's trial and error. So, you know, sometimes if I make the browned butter pecan, you know, which I literally use real butter to toast the pecans, if it's too much butter, then that makes it a high butter fat content and it tastes oily in your mouth. Nobody wants oily ice cream. So, yeah, there has been, you know, many trials and errors. And then also, you know, timing of the market. So, for instance, I did Christmas flavors. Well, I waited till December to release the Christmas flavors when I really should have been working on Christmas flavors in early November. So then what does that mean? I was stuck with a bunch of and still am stuck with a whole Christmas line that I'm like, what am I going to do with this? (laughs) So, so yeah, those there's there's there is a part of that. What is your favorite ice cream flavor? Unicorn Magic. So Unicorn Magic is a um, of course homemade vanilla blend, but it's so creamy and delicious that it tastes like a very nice buttercream frosting, or almost tastes like birthday cake. Um, but it has um, it's colorful, so it again it's like visually stimulating, and people even though it's just vanilla ice cream, they always think that it's something different because of the colors. And then it um, has frosted animal crackers in it. And um, they're kind of crunched up and it's so delicious. And then when you eat it, I'm a savory kind of person. I like salty sweet. So if you eat it with um, buttered popcorn, it tastes like Lucky Charms cereal. So that's my favorite. And that's my favorite combination. If you're comfortable sharing, how did you come up with it? Because my ice cream is like a higher price point product because it's handmade, handcrafted and delicious, parents were not really sharing ice cream with kids. They were just 
consuming it only for themselves. And I'm like, ice cream is supposed to be for kids. So I figure if I made it colorful and had sprinkles and cookies, then they would buy it for their kids. Well, it worked out that way at first, but then parents like would taste a little bit of it. So then they started buying it for themselves too. But yeah, I just, (laughs) I just wanted to make something that was visually stunning for kids. Who or what is your biggest inspiration? Oh, um, God is my biggest inspiration. I am very spiritual, um, not necessarily religious, but I am very spiritual and God-driven. Um, my non-living inspiration is Ida B. Wells. Um, you guys can do some research on what a phenomenal woman and what a powerful woman she was. Um, and then my, um, in real life, I'm just inspired by everyday people. I get inspired. I'm inspired by children. I'm inspired by um, people's reaction to the product. So I have, you know, many things that inspire me. If you could go back in time to college, what else would you have studied? I actually, if I could go back to in time, I would have completed college. Um, and I am, that's a difficult question for me because I'm honestly like very multifaceted. There's so many different things that I am interested in that I don't even know what I really would. Maybe, maybe business management or something like that. But I got, I still was able to acquire those skills without going to college personally because, but that's just because of my, my personal life situations and um, my spirit, but maybe law. I don't know. What do you hope to accomplish as a community leader with your career? My hope to, um, as a community leader is that in my lifetime, I can see less racism and um, the eradication of poverty within my community, um, which is that the North Lawndale and all, you know, all of the economically disadvantaged communities. I I really hope to inspire more people to um, understand the power that's within them to create change and how really literally only takes one person to make a decision that, and that one decision that one person can inspire many, you know, so that's, that's kind of my hope. What words of inspiration and tips do you have for other young BIPOC entrepreneurs just starting out? Um, So a tip that I would give or advice that I would give to a um, young entrepreneur is to, first of all, have a strong understanding of what your mission is and why you are doing whatever it is that you are trying to do. Because you will have to constantly, in order to stick with it, when it gets hard, you'll have to constantly remind yourself of your why. And you also have to be able to intelligently explain to people your why in order to get them to buy into whatever it is that you're selling. And typically what you're actually selling is you. People do not buy the ice cream just because it is delicious. They buy it because of who I am and how I st- how I show up and what my brand represents and what my store, and because I, um, I'm very transparent and I share my story. Also, I would say that the race is not given to the swift, but it's given to the one who endures, which is something that is a quote from India Ari. Um, 
this is not a sprint. Um, and that's something that I have to tell myself all the time because we, I don't know if it's a cultural thing or what, but we want it and we want it right now. And it doesn't typically go like that for us. We have got to strategize. We have to be patient and steadfast in our approach and um, be very resourceful and have grace for ourselves to understand that we typically were not given even the boots to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. So if you've taken the first step to becoming an entrepreneur, congratulations to yourself. Have grace for yourself. This is not a sprint. Mind your reputation because when you are in the industry, whatever the industry is, your world becomes very small. The world becomes very small and you don't know who knows who. So always operate from a place of integrity because your reputation will get you everywhere or it will get you nowhere. That's my advice in a nutshell. That's some of my advice because I have lots of advice. I've learned so many things, but you know, I learned about protecting your brand. Like if you go ahead and go through with creating something and you're serious about it, then you have to protect your brand and then become a master of whatever it is that you are selling yourself as an expert on. Thank you for that advice. But what's next for Ida's artisan ice cream and treats? Well, um, so many different things are next for Ida's artisan ice cream and treats. Um, the, the immediate next thing is that we'll be um, at the um, at an event called Silver Room Block Party this weekend, uh, vending there. That's really exciting for us because it's a large event. And then at the end of the month, of course, we will have the opportunity to represent our community, um, which is the North Lawndale community, North Lawndale Little Village community at Lollapalooza as vendors and create some resources, some much needed resources to help the youth of our community. Um, and also from there, we also plan on um, working on opening a storefront uh, location in the North Lawndale community, which is a community that does not have a single ice cream shop in the community. So that's the, that's what's next. Thank you for your time, Ida. Thank you, guys. If you have any other questions um, or want to reach out to me, um, you can reach me at idasartisan.com. Um, that website will also give you more information about the journey, the flavors, and how um, some of the events that are coming up for our community as well. This was Ida Nelson from Ida's Artisan Ice Cream and Treats. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Isha. And I'm Yolo. This was What's Up, None of Your Business. See you next time.
that's the conclusion of our program. Brought to you by the fine folks at... Oh, not you again. No! And yo, who let her back in? <laughs> and that's a wrap. We hope you enjoyed whatever it is you just heard. Heartwarming interviews, tear-jerking stories, magnificent music, and the sound of our voices. Because God knows that this is the best content on the airwaves. Don't forget to follow YOLO on all their social medias at YOLO Kali. And you can find all our audio content on SoundCloud, MixCloud, and Apple Podcasts. We bougie like that. Period. Well, that's it. Bye. See you next Saturday from 12 to 2 p.m. for another episode of What's Up?